Anchor. So I'm going to start the introduction just like as we normally do. This afternoon, we're going to talk to Zuri Alexander, and um, I'm going to call her in just a few minutes. And um, we met her at, gosh, where did we meet her at? Okay, we met her at Art Inequality uh, Convention that was back in April, and we had a strange winter at the beginning of April. We thought winter was over, and this huge snowstorm hit out of nowhere. It was in Savoy, Illinois, and Zuri Alexander had a film there called Quiet Denial. And um, she actually won at that festival. And um, now her film is playing at the LA Shorts International Film Festival. And um, I'm not sure if there's uh, awards given out yet or if it's playing or showcasing, I'll have to talk to her about that. And um, and then, uh, let's see, I know she's been in some other films too. And I'm gonna probably go ahead and send her a message and see if she's ready to uh, talk. So, um, like I said, this is kind of a, a different, unedited uh, <laughs> version of Night Moves Radio. Like I said, we're recording via Anchor. We're on nine different places on Anchor. Um, one of the places that we're on is Spotify. So I'm kind of I think that's pretty cool. There's Apple, it, iTunes as well, and Google Play, and a few others. Um, but I'm going to send Zuri a message and see if she's on. So I'm going to find out if she's ready. <laughs> and then we'll go from there. And then I'll, I'll dial her up. Usually uh, people call us in when we're using Blog Talk. Um, but today we're using Anchor and we're going live here on Facebook, uh, on our Facebook page. And Zuri says she's ready. So I'm going to call her in and I'm going to hope if, see if she can. Here, I'm going to tell her what number I'm calling from. <laughs> that might help her, too. So give me just a second. I'm dialing, telling her what number I'm calling from. And then um, we'll go from there. All right. So let's see how this goes. <laughs> Our first actual live anchor. Hello. Hello, Suri. Hi. How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much for your call. You're welcome. Thank you for actually, you know, coming on here at a different night. And I'm glad that you were able to put this in on a, you know, a Friday. You know, it wasn't a Thursday night. Thank you for being so flexible. Sure, no problem. I, this is kind of cool. <laughs> You're like my first um, pre-recorded -re episode, <laughs> but what to, to, to make it kind of live, I did go live on the Nightbook Facebook page, and it's not the best feed; it's the webcam on my laptop. But it, hey, at least somehow I'm live. 
so oh nice okay hi everyone <laughs> our live people <laughs> awesome yeah, jo- Joshua is a little, you know, he said it was okay. He, I think he was a little, you know, upset he was going to miss it, but he usually almost works like every Friday. And I go, are you sure you're okay with this? He goes, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. So, you know, he'll, he'll listen in later. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. I'm so glad. Very cool. <laughs> And uh, the other day, since I didn't actually get to a chance to watch your film at Art Inequality, I was actually watching some of your film the other day. And because like, I finally got a chance to, I found it online to watch. And um, it, I forget what website it was using. I looked it up. I'll tell you in just a second. I'll tell you where I found it at. Let me see if I can find it again. It was um, <laughs> online. I didn't know if you knew if it was online or not. Where people yes, watch the it. Audience Award. Yes, and I think that's where it was. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yes. yeah that's where I watched it at. Yes, that was, um, our film was selected for that film festival, and they are an online film festival, uh-huh. so you're able to go there and view it, and actually, that was a lot, that a lot of people saw it for the first time on that website, Cool, which was really cool, because people wanted to see it, and I couldn't really show it to them at any point, yeah. but now you'll be able to see it in the LA International Short Film Festival. I know, that's <laughs> awesome, that's really cool, so like, are they giving out awards there, is it just like a big festival, or how does that work? Um, it looks like it's a seven-day festival from uh, events really start July 24th, and the closing ceremonies are August 2nd. And each day they're showing, it looks like, you know, five to ten films each oh, wow. day. Um, my film is going to be shown on Friday, July 27th at the Long, I think it's called the Longley Theater uh-huh. in Hollywood. And since my film has to do uh, with classical music, classical music is in the film. Mm-hmm. It looks like they put all of the films that have something to do with classical music together. So that's really cool. Awesome, <laughs> that's very cool. And so, like you, I'm guessing you you play piano in quote real life too, right? I do, I do. I teach piano. I'm oh, piano so cool. Here in Los Angeles. Very neat. I just started taking lessons two years ago. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, um, I actually. What area? Sorry, go ahead. What area do you, what, what, what kind of music are you working on? Do you compose your own music? Um, I want how to read music. Um, I want to learn how to compose. I already knew how to read music. The only thing I needed to learn how to read was the bass cleft. I already knew how to read treble because I had been in yeah. band in school. And, mm-hmm. um, and right now, actually, believe it or not, 16 years ago, I wrote lyrics to a hymn and I sent it off and some people wrote some music to it, but I was never really able to play it. So now I got it back out. And I'm learning to play the chords and I'm, we've got the melody down and my music teacher is teaching me how to add the harmony in with the chords. So. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. When I get it all good and down, you know, I'll, I'll get it going again. And I gave it to the praise band at church um, where I work and go to. So I'm not, I'll see what they'll do anything with it or, or, you know, and if they don't have time or they won't, I'll play it for church and print out the lyrics for everybody. Oh, that's beautiful. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. I, I just, I, you know, I knew it. I knew I you know, wrote it for some reason, you know, all that time ago. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, I've been playing a little bit of the contemporary uh, Christian music. I, just, I got some stuff for that. And then I also learned how to play a simple version of Fur Elise and Moonlight Sonata. So I do like classical music, a lot of Beethoven. So. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. That, I, I love to hear when people continue their music studies as adults. Yeah. It's so inspiring. I have, I have a, my, my youngest student is three years old, but my oldest student is 73 years old. Oh, wow. 
And I'm so inspired to, you know, see her return to her piano. She played it in her 20s. And now she really she's really using it now to help her memory stay active and give her fun activity to do. I she um, recently retired. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of cool. Um, was see the thing was I've been wanting to learn to play uh, piano since I was a little kid. Except you know I mean, we couldn't ever really afford lessons, and um, and then somehow I don't know magically I was able to <laughs> afford them. <laughs> and, uh, and then the piano teacher actually comes to the church where I work on Saturdays, and like I live really nearby where I work, and um, so it's like literally I can walk to my lessons every Saturday morning. Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. It's just now. You're, so you're really involved with your church. Which church is it? It's an Arthur United Methodist Church. I started working there in 2015, October 2015. And, and what capacity? Um, what you mean? How many people? Or how uh, what? Do, we started working there as. Uh, oh, I'm I'm the admin. Oh yeah, I'm the administrative aide. Ah, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was pretty. I had been in uh, sort of like an administrative aide or secretary at a smaller church um, in my hometown for a little while, and then I was also in um, social work for twelve years. So I'd had a lot of office experience. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, but this this the podcast was about you. So. Okay. 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 So anyway, like I was watching some of Quiet Denial and, um, you know, I noticed there's, you know, a lot kind of about like racism and everything. And it seems like, you know, it's a perfect time to have that out. I mean, you would think after everything we went through back in like the 50s, especially with the black and white issues, you'd think we'd all be over that. And it seems to be that it still is a problem today. At least I see that. What is your opinion on that? I do see that. It seems like. A lot of things in our country that have once been in the open, for example, in the 1950s, it was perfectly acceptable for a white person to say um, they were white supremacists. That was not a problem. And you could even look at some of the commercials or some of the black and white shows from the 1950s where um, they freely used the N-word to describe um, black people. And, and, And we can't forget the country was segregated. Right, And Uh basically, our our country has been segregated since it started forming in a more formal way. So in the late 1600s, we're looking at like the 1680s, all right, Mm -hmm. that's when our country started separating itself, when those governing started separating the cultures, the black and the white cultures. There were a few Chinese, a few Asian people in America in the early 1600s. Well, now, you know, we're back in the colonial time. uh, when when uh, the colonies were just starting to get formed. Um, I, uh, interestingly, um, I read this book by Jacqueline Batalora called Birth of a White Nation. And she talks about how, she, she's an historian, mm-hmm. she talks about how in the early 1600s, when, when people were exploring America, everyone lived together. They're on record. Uh, Blacks married whites, had families. There, of course, there were more white people here than there were black people. But at the time, that whole concept of race had not yet been implemented in law. That didn't happen until the late 1600s. But in the early 1600s, there there was even a black guy who owned slaves because it was all about class. Okay? The classes would come together. Mm -hmm. Then uh, there was something called Bacon's Rebellion, uh, where... A white guy got 
some people together to protest um, some of the injustices handed down to um, indigenous or even slaves who recently got their freedom. Uh, they were treated poorly. And, I mean, there's a whole list, there's a whole story around Bacon's Rebellion, but after that's when those, the 1% of the time, fighting our country according to race. And the one race was the white race, and everything was in relationship to the white Mm. Uh-huh. So then, coming back to answer your question, so this stayed in place for a long time. You know, slavery, after slavery, very segregated uh, population. As a matter of fact, you know, South Africa wanted to become apartheid. America, as a template, they studied our culture to figure out how to and South Africa. Then we had the after the white movement, it was no longer in vogue to open superiority or to claim that you were, you know, acceptable, politically incorrect. And that's when a lot of these actions got brushed under the rug. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of the ideology was still being taught in a generation. And then after our last election, a lot of these people, the alt-right is having uh, voice, white supremacy is having a bigger voice. It went anywhere. It was just hidden. It was not in vogue to talk about it. It's rising up again, mm-hmm. becoming more public, uh, more out in the open. And now in America, we're looking at really dealt with it yeah as a nation yeah it, you know? it's really sad i mean because you know I, I feel like in a way like words you know like i feel like everyone's like like even blacks or even issues or even the genders i feel like everyone's having to like fight for like rights and or equality and it just seems like we should all be past that by now you know what that's what it seems like but i think we're gonna have to deal with it as a country which is what's happening yeah that's pretty much idea we're being forced to analyze ourselves our behavior and 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 come from when I, I have a presentation that I give called how did we get here at the beginning of the uh-huh. right and when I speak to groups I think from a place where we all inherited something before we got here mm-hmm. but so subconsciously but subconsciously we're all participating in the system you know, do things to help perpetuate the continuation of a racist system racism do things consciously or unconsciously that keep the racism going we, we ourselves didn't create this thing but we are here doing it now yeah, yeah, and, we are. Yeah. And so I feel like, in a way, as a group, as, as Americans, all victim situation, um, we were taught a way of being that a lot of us board don't want to be on board for that, but that's what we were taught, so that's how that's, that's That makes sense. I mean, so in a way, it's kind of passed on from generation to generation. Unless ourselves, like, you know, as individuals want to change, it's, you know, if we to try to break away from whatever it is that we were taught, it's probably going to be hard to happen. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's what I feel like. Some people believe that we are inherently uh, desperate segregationist, that we inherently have superior thinking. Um, but if you look historically, there's even a lot of uh, places in America where, where interracial relationships are, are fine. Interracial, I mean, as not necessarily dating, mm-hmm. but race harmoniously. That's not an anomaly yeah. that happens a lot. However, our, our nation imposed this kind of segregation of thinking through our laws and by um, separating us, which perpetuates the whole racist paradigm. The whole racist paradigm. The individual may not want to participate in that. That's where we're at. Yeah. So have you yourself ever like experienced people taught you like, you know, not as equal to other people? Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. I come from a family where racism was not discussed. Racism a reason for failure or a reason um, as something, you know, controlling your life. Even though I was 14, I realized how much 
really steered my choices, what was available. But at the time that it was happening, I never saw it as racism. I never saw it as, you know, some people are treating me a certain way because I thought, oh, I must be doing something wrong. I must be doing enough. I, you know, I'm going to do that kind of overcompensation type of personality, be more agreeable with people, even though that wasn't the issue. Okay. Uh, and once I realized that that wasn't the issue, I put away my I wait a minute, nothing's really wrong with me. I, 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 I'm in this system of this floating around that I'm up against that I didn't recognize before. And once I recognize that made sense. Um, to give you some examples of racism happening in my personal life, uh, so the first time I called the N-word, oh, I was 10 years old. I was at a birthday party, uh, a classmate who liked her 10-year-old birthday party, and she had a little brother who was about six or seven years old. And the whole birthday party, we were all at her house, and the little brother Oh, and that's the first time I ever to me. Um, and, and because we didn't talk about family, my response was like, oh, my oh he got that from his father. That was yeah. the first thing I thought. Most kids would think that because, I mean, if they usually repeat things that they hear at home. Exactly. And the sister, the birthday girl, she was like, oh, she, 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 don't say that, don't say that. And then I knew that, I mean, it's something I remember very well. Uh, time I consciously, it was at my doorstep. Uh, racism. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then after that, more of incidences, situations, uh, because more being told you're more qualified, but you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. The women went instead with the white girl who, for example, one time, and the scholarship was to be an assistant to a music conductor, mm-hmm. a choir, choir conductor. The assistant needed to know how to play the piano because they would be a consumer. They would be working with the choir, you know, to help with the choir ready. I have, I started playing since I was seven years old. I have since I was 13 years old. My resume was very strong. Um, there was another girl who was a white girl. She was just a play the piano, but she never worked with choirs any time in her life. She was a scholarship. Um, and the choir director who was a white woman as well. And I was told, the announcement was made that who was going to get the scholarship. I was told, you're the most qualified. You're not going to get this. Okay. So I said, okay. I'm still not using race as a reason. Okay. But there were several instances where there was someone much less position, uh, but they and they got the position. Um, now that choir director, who to the white girl who didn't know how to play the piano, uh-huh. she had a problem. The girl didn't know what she was doing. She wasn't really able to work the choir. A year later, I'm walking down the street in Manhattan, and I run into that choir director just randomly. Oh my! <laughs> and she she said to me, "Giving it to you." Mm-hmm. And my mind, I'm like, it's too late now. You know, yeah, like, okay. <laughs> okay. Student debt already from the, you know, from not getting scholarship. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, things like that, things like that. And maybe she herself didn't know I was going with, I guess, something that was more, maybe, you know, she felt more comfortable with the white girl or mm-hmm. little things like that have happened often. And in my movie, which is focusing on microaggression, uh-huh. right? um, the movie has a series over question in my short film, Quiet Denial, that you watched on the Audience Awards. And that kind of shows what look like. Now, let me define what I mean by my okay. so it's clear. So I say microaggressions, I'm reading this section. Microaggressions are everyday verbal and environmental slights, snubs, or insults, but intentional, which communicate hostile, derogatory messages to target persons based solely upon their marginalized so my case was one with quite denial based upon race. Okay. Oh, wow. So that film starts illustrating how a person, um, microaggression, and 
ultimately, these microbes of the pillars that help keep racism in place. Produce keep racism in place. And one of them is these, these everyday of microaggressions. In the film, uh, audience, uh, the film is about an African American woman raising remarks and insults while auditioning to study classical piano with a woman out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as soon as she comes into her audition, the concert pianist sees her. And when she opens the door, he says to her, you must have the wrong room. White male. And I play the mm-hmm. black woman. And right the door, he says, you must have the wrong room. Right away, without even asking her. I remember that part. Yes, yes. And that is that there, there is not going to be a black person to study with him. His, he lives in a segregated world. Uh, so that was the first question. And then she speaks and she says, I'm here for my audition. And then he said, You sounded different on the phone. Yeah, I heard that. I was like, Oh my goodness. Okay. Now that was a lot of people get. A lot of my black friends get that. A lot of Asian friends get that. Uh, that whole, if you have standard American English, mm-hmm. uh, there are some white people who think you're, you're different. Oh, why? Well, you're different from other black people. Like, you're different from other people. They separate you. Okay. And he right away was. In other words, you didn't sound like a standard American. Right away, you know, you are you're not American. Yeah, we are. We're all supposed to have a way that we're supposed to sound. That's right. That's right. And you don't you don't look you don't look for what America, um, you know, what is American? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is American English. So right away, he's like, he's got a different on the phone. When she walks in, and I, I won't go through all the whole film. Sure, you know, like that you're explaining parts of it. <laughs> when she walks in, do you remember? She made a big cross, all these things standing at the piano. Yeah. Okay. Now that didn't happen. So a lot of these things did happen to me. I was wondering if it was kind of inspired from something that happened. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so this, and that's how I got that move, because I remember meeting a woman at my job who uh, kind of ignored me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, I worked in there, like a health desk. I do something for So I introduced myself to her, and she did not move from her position, and I had to walk all the way over to her own house my hand with two fingers. Oh, man. 17, okay? <laughs> okay? Um, so that move, I got experience. Well, that's kind of a power play. Like, I'm not, I'm not making any effort to know you or anything. Oh, for sure. All right? You have come. You, and then you can interpret that, you know, you have to worship me. You make me feel good. But the thing is, too, all in your right? movie, I don't mean to jump ahead, but also made you walk all the way to him. And then when you sat down in the play, as far back as possible to not that's have to be near right. you. That's right. He wasn't going to be near this this black girl. So, yeah, microaggressions come in different forms. Racial microaggressions, aggression, sexual orientation, microaggressions, power play, microaggressions. So when he moves that chair behind her, that also using his power, power mm-hmm. play. Okay. He, he, she is, he, he was like in his 60s, yeah. early 70s. Um, and then it, we were in his room, this, his room. Mm-hmm. she was coming to him to audition in his office. Um, so he put the chair back in there. Did you get to the end of the week? In, but I did make it a part two where he was making comments like on your music. I oh. felt like you couldn't play that. Okay, yes, yes. Well, that at the end of the movie, like the, the beginning of the movie, moves the chair behind her, mm-hmm. right? Well, at the end of the movie, he moves the chair back <laughs> and he takes it. Oh, gosh. And he, he wipes down every place that she went. Okay? And that is something I heard a white man what her mother did after a black man left their house. This is when she was a little girl. She remembered her mother going through and wiping places. I can't have that. Awful. Okay. And, I, and so that's what happens when I'm not in the room. Mm. You know, if I'm in the room, people probably let them a terrorist. All right. Yeah. Uh, but after, so he did that little move, 
And then he goes back to the beginning where he was standing at the beginning of the film and waiting for his next person to want it. And that's how the film, that's how the film ends. Oh, gee. First part, which you're right, that move of the chair yeah. is definitely a power play. Definitely. The thing is, I know when you have music lessons, and even most of the time, the, the, the person either probably you're auditioning for sit kind of next to the student. You know, they, they, they do. you know, because that way, or if they can kind of see the music that the student's playing, or you know, just to kind of see their posture, or you know, how they're playing, or their hands. You know, that's a common thing for him to move all the way behind. I was just basically saying, I don't care. Yes, and, and you heard you heard him interrupting her when she started. He did to say, "You remember that section?" Yeah, he was interrupting. Yes, yes, that's another move of microaggressive. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you had like everything like so on target, and I was like, if so on target, realize like, yeah, she had to have some sort of experience that you yeah. know, you were just like every single little move. And I mean, this it's a short film, but it speaks volumes. That is your whole entire intention. I mean, I hope that this gets shown in like, because I mean, you won at the Art and Equality, and I'm sure you probably have gotten other awards. In other films. I don't know how many other places you've entered this at. I know, like I said, it's playing at, and you know, it's at the International Film Shorts, and it's also online. Um, I mean, how far has this 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 movie like went? The early stages. I just started submitting it in January, uh-huh. and right now, yeah, so oh, wow. results. And we're getting about five percent acceptance rate so far uh-huh. for festival. Wow! And we've gotten three awards, and one, um, and then a total of seven, seven selections. Mm-hmm. And within that, three awards. And uh, the LA short is right now just won anything, mm-hmm. even though in this case it feels like I've already won two. That's awesome. I mean, I saw that was in LA. I was like, here it is. In LA. I mean, I, you know, I felt like you were like all the way from like you live in like what, California, Savoy, Illinois, like like the Midwest. <laughs> it's you like, know what? Wow. I I really that was the first festival that was. Really? Oh my gosh. And I remember I was wondering should go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get the airplane money, all of that stuff. Should I should I do that? And I looked further at the festival and it said it was going to be at a community center. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, you know this. These are the people that I would like to reach. Mm-hmm. You know, this, 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 the people are they're having their festival at a, at a, at a California standard, a modest yeah. center. <laughs> um, I felt like I should, I, I should go. I should, I need, I need mm-hmm. you know, they, and, and this group, you know, they recognize it. it was so holy. It was so, it was so, um, for example, the festival that I'm in now, you know, there's a red carpet, the stars, <laughs> there's a Christmas party, there's a award ceremony, you know, it's very high profile. <laughs> but, when I saw that art equality was at a community, seeing the community, mm-hmm. that's what I said, I gotta go. I gotta go. That was just awesome. Yeah, over Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the weird weather, I mean, hello, it was like, what? It was the end of March or beginning of April. We had a snowstorm. And I was like, I was like, what is going on? It was so freakish. I was just like, I mean, and when we left Arthur, we're like, what? And we come, we start heading towards like Savoy, and we had like, what is going on? And like, there's ice and everything. I was like, oh my goodness. But we tried forward. And we got to Savoy, like, and there's, you know, ice and there's snow. And we're like, like transport into winter, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm sure it would have been a lot worse in Chicago. So you're good that you didn't go farther north. Yeah, you know, you know I got snowed in. I had to stay overnight. Yeah, that's what I heard. Wow. So. And let me tell you, that was the luckiest thing that happened to me mm-hmm. because I did with other people from the festival, mm-hmm. and those companies were stellar. They were so special. They were so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about you know issues. We were talking about racism. You know, the transgender community, we were talking about, you know, people agreeing experiences and knowledge to the table, asking questions of each other, all the people, white, um, gay, straight, transgender, we were all fucking snowed in, snowstorm. And wow. if that was, those were like the most beautiful moments. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a snowstorm, but like you got to be with, you know, people like, of, uh, well, of, I can't see the word right now, substance. There we go. 
Yes. Yeah, so, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully next year when they have the um, bowl, they'll have some, some talk back, some discussion. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah. he does it again. And you know, and that was his first annual art inequality. That was the first time he put that one on. Oh. It was a brand new convention. So he put on dark history and horror. That's that's been going on. I've been going to it. This will be my third year. Um, dates it's either in October or November. And um, you know, it's again we're deciding Champagne Urbana. Um, but Brian, he's super talented, and then he did put on. Um, an indie art convention, I think, last weekend. Festivals and new conventions to the area, you know, for indie. So, um, so beautiful. yeah, and so you, you know, opening a brand new festival and like, and your your film just it speaks so loud. It's so simple, but it speaks so loud. I think if you haven't thought about it already, it would make a wonderful presentation for college students to show that in a gym and show it to kids and let because we still need to teach them that when they're young, and, and then you know talk before or after the presentation i mean that would just be wonderful to take schools or organizations yes. you know like city organizations i mean it could... you know what i'm actually looking into that now mm-hmm. and as um since i, I edited the film myself mm-hmm. so i have people to give me some critiques of feedback uh-huh. and I, so, um while they were looking at it i had to answer some questions to a discussion about the film mm-hmm. and i call it like on social justice workshop mm-hmm. it was the title to the quiet denial, the version and the inclusion work. I kind of like that too. Yeah, yeah. So that is on the board. I'm, def- I'm putting together the presentation now. I already have some questions and some interactive activities that happen after you watch those films. That's great. But I definitely like two groups to show um, and show analyze and promote awareness. Oh, yeah. aware of that you might be able to come up with a plan of attack, a plan. Forward. Oh, most definitely. Like I said, I mean, your film couldn't come at a better time. You know, I know you said at the beginning, like, you know, we've just been passing this on generation after generation. You've been done and over this, but, you know, racism, inequality, you know, it's still a real big issue. I mean, even gender, I mean, it's happening. I mean, you know, us as women, like, you know, we say we're, you know, starting to get better jobs, and, but, you know, there's still some times that you know, not, we'll get picked over, maybe not paid as much as a male. And then gender inequality, um, you know, my poor dad, I won't say how many. He was with a company and they filed bankruptcy. He'd been there like assistant manager for years. Oh, and he's been looking for work and he's in his fifties and he's just, you know, he has some experience. And yet, and then he always gets back called for like the second interview and then someone else and it's always somebody younger. And they say that, you know, there it's not because they're able inequality for people in the workplace is a big thing going on right now too. I mean, it, it really is. Mm-hmm. I see it at my own job. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do know someone who they changed, they changed and they wanted to bring the secretary with them. Mm-hmm. The secretary had been with this guy for 25 years. Wow. They worked well together. The new firm didn't want the secretary because she was older. Oh. Okay. So so some of this stuff isn't even hit. It's just out of the open. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we're, we're trying to go younger. You know? The firm yeah. had everybody photoshopped. On their well, way. yeah, I know. The only thing is, you know, they'll ask someone that they've seen their profile online and it's been filtered. And we're all guilty of messing with our photos. But, you know, they'll see that photo. They'll go meet them in person. They're like, wow, they don't look anything like their photo. You know? I mean, you can't always go by that. I mean, you know, whatever happened, you know, people having experience, people, their personalities and who they are on the inside. I mean, we're all taught to love everybody, but somehow growing up, I don't know what happens, but it gets lost and it's really sad. I mean, I, you know, do my and always, you know, try to accept people for who they are, no matter their age, race, you know, gender, religion or whatever. You know, I'm very mind about everybody. So I just wish that everybody else could do the same. That's so interesting you said that because Robin She's a sociologist mm-hmm. who um, studies whiteness studies. She gives these great lectures. She's a white woman who speaks mm-hmm. mostly about racism in the white community. Yeah. And she said what you just said. She said that uh, we, she's a white, she's talking about we, the white group, uh-huh. we 
everyone and everyone's equal. But that's not what we teach. That's what we say. It's not what we do. Just that's exactly what you just said, too. And she mentioned that. And she has two presentations going on. Uh, one's called White Fragility and one is called White. You can see them on YouTube. Excellent, excellent information. In a very small town, of, um, it's like a big Amish community. And the thing is, we all live together peacefully for the most part. I mean, I can say, but without the Amish community, this town wouldn't thrive. And in this community, I can say that most of us, both the white people, we get along, we talk to one another. They have auctions, they have little, they have their little booth set up amongst each other in mostly peace. I mean, so like if we can do that, of Amish, and you know, Amish, they live like back in the day, they have the buggies. Or the oil, I mean, and they don't have electricity, some you know, I mean, there's and you've got the Mennonites. But the thing is, saying if we can accept each other and accept you know, another thing and live amongst each other, like I just don't know why other people can't do things. Like, I don't know. Well, you know, being, being the group where you are, where you're forced to learn, to learn how to get along with someone else, when I say forced, I mean, it kind of actually oh, a yeah. little effort in it because it's there, you have the opportunity. Okay, there's some groups that really live in segregation. Picking up their information from the media, which is cool. Okay, they don't have like a live person they can meet uh, that can have possibly change a view that they have. TV or from uh, or from beliefs that their group holds, which are or passed down to them. Okay? So you get a lot of so you have a lot of, a lot of up there as far as white groups are concerned. There tends to be a lot of racism where there are no other people. It's just yeah. all white groups. So, I mean, if you grow up, I guess, in a place where there isn't a lot of opportunity to get to know other kinds of races or religions, and you are only familiar with your own, so then you're not, if you go move somewhere else and you see different people, you're not going to, I guess, maybe know how to act or how to do something. It's something completely different to you. That's right, because you're getting the view from me. Mm-hmm. See, that's what you're getting, for the most part. So, so, so an opinion is being formed. It's not on anything in real life. It's based on hearsay, she said, what the TV said. And then you have a thought. Now, Dr. Robin DeAngelo, have, she has come to believe that the ultimate other is black people, okay? Mm-hmm. And they've got the different grades, Hispanics and Asians, um, uh, Indians. And, and in the system of white supremacy, each one of them differently, okay? So, yeah. this, 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 this kind of, mm, no, just perpetuates, perpetuates the system going on and on. Yeah, I can see where you're going. Like, so like I said earlier, you know, out as individuals, a way to break free of all the stuff that we've seen and been exposed to. Like, you know, like I said, our parents and our teachers will tell us if we see them not practicing what they preach, basically, same thing that we've seen. And um, you're talking about the media. When I the media, a lot of it is so negative. And the kids, these are 17, um, 18 November. And these, this generation, like YouTube and Facebook and like Instagram, like all the stuff where they're showing videos, photos of each other. And like, you know, people can... It, you know, they can say whatever like, about the comments, and there's all these filters. So, like, in a way, I feel like we're already making people like uncomfortable about the way they look because there's ways to change their looks. I mean, I think um, on some news show, like the filters that change people's like shape of face, they're noticed they're wanting uh, cosmetic surgery to do what they need. So, I read about that. yeah. So, like, we're teaching this generation like you don't look good enough, and so you hear stuff. So then, if almost if you can't accept yourself, then how are you going to accept others? Yeah, I, we are definitely moving to this more. Like age where human, the human contact is becoming less. You know, mm-hmm. even even my human contact is less than my parents. Um, so interacting that less, and since the only place you're seeing might be on the Instagram page, then they want all these operations to try to do the standard. What is popular? Who's getting the most hits? Tends to be someone who might look like. Someone who looks 
is for today. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Definitely, like the culture definitely evolving into this other thing. Is. And I know that, you know, each culture because my grandmother looked at my culture and she had what we were doing, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you know, you can look at the generations below me <laughs> yeah. and say, oh, the truth there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll say, because our grandparents five ten miles in the snow to get to school right right <laughs> yeah but like i said we, we can always look back and see what's going on with that generation but maybe if we see that if we can look back or look forward and see a problem i'm hoping that can give us an incentive i don't know i keep hoping for more you know equality and that's like i said why about that convention i just hope that if he does it again next year that i know we can get more word out and certainly the weather's better um but i mean i think it's a good time to have things like convention and a good time to have your film I and mean, your film could do so much and I, I just think it's awesome you know that you you wrote, wrote that I hope, you know i'm sure you're gonna be busy with this one i can see but do you have like plans for the future films or what is your future plans um i have so i have one feature film that part it had it's dealing with similar issues um well in a different way but the same thing. and then but i did commit Denial for a few years, uh-huh. like after quite denial finishes the um, uh-huh. I do want to like what you said, uh, other booths from high school, colleges. I just think that would be an incredible presentation just to like tour school with. I think, I mean, if the film just speaks so much, and then if you have for it and even share some of your own experiences, I mean, I would say awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, you're yeah, I'm trying to find that bringing that together. <laughs> That's great, uh, it's so cool. And you know, I what I really admired about you, like. My in the wrong venue. It was just so noisy. But you sat there, and the horrible sound. You know, this it's just not a good place to give it and listen to it. I'm like, I don't know. I just felt made me feel good that you were sitting there watching it and uh, really appreciate it. And actually, um, I'm going to be giving that presentation at Dove. It's for domestic violence. Uh, it's a candlelight service. Um, so that's pretty cool. And I'll probably be giving the same presentation, which is another domestic violence organization. So finally finding to actually bring it to. So that's I love that. Yes. That's great. You're so talented. Oh, thanks. Like you said, yes, I did sit down. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Yeah. It was so awesome. You sat like listening to all the horrible audio, everything going on. <laughs> so it was awesome. It was really hard for me to concentrate because there was so much noise around me. It was a, a conviction is okay, but like for those kind of presentations, I'm sure Brian said that he was just working with what he had and he'll probably, you know, it will change as if we have presentations, I think they need to be like in a different room. But, you know, yeah, I did, and I mentioned, yeah. I mentioned that to him. He understood. I go, oh, yeah, I completely understand. I was honored that he even asked me to do that. Um, and I just, you know, again, the weather was bad, and most of us have been for uh, the convention, the people who had booths there, and, um, had um, films. And then I did see Channel 3 stepped in, our local news station, and then Bishop Stevens got on there and got everybody's attention, but he's good at that. Yeah, he's doing <laughs> great, too. He's a fun show. Yeah, I know. He's, uh, he's been at a lot of the, the conventions that I'm at, so he's, he just to make people listen. <laughs> So it's, it's pretty cool. Like, listen, I don't want to keep it real long. I know, but it's been awesome talking to you. I've shared your Facebook page and your, and um, and I even give a link to your Quiet Denial on our uh, page. And um, and I believe I shared it again on the Riff. And I'll probably after I'm done with this recording, I will also post it online and I link, and you can share it if you like. And um, I'm going to get it up on air, the you know before and after stuff done. But I really do appreciate you know, you know, and I didn't mind changing my schedule at all. And I love that you let me. I thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Really enjoyed the interview, and I enjoyed meeting you at the Art Nicole. Oh, yes, I enjoyed it. We get together again. Yeah, that would be awesome. It'd be cool, you know, if you came down small folks in the Midwest again. <laughs> <laughs>
know. <laughs> awesome. Maybe if the, he does that, come back or yeah, I like keep you informed about the other festivals he's doing. I mean, I think he'd like something that's on. You know, he's really good at it, and like we're all trying to support him. You know, and, you know, make you know just something here in this area because like you hear about the issues, but they're just not big like in this central area. So I like that he's trying to do that. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, definitely, I will keep in the loop. Sharing those Facebook posts. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Zuri. It was great. Thank you, Ariana. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. You have a good day. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Zuri Alexander. And um, again, thank you for tuning in to this recording of Night News Radio. And again, it's not night. It's afternoon. And I adjusted our schedule so we could get that awesome interview in from Zuri Alexander. We'll be on at our regular time next Thursday at 7 o'clock Central. Um, yeah, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. So thank you. And everybody have a good day.